Marriage. No matter where your marriage is right now, it can be full of hope, grace, change, and love. Listen in as we present Pursue Marriage Weekender 2023, a series of sessions and sermons where the Bible is celebrated, marriages are nurtured, and lives are transformed. Ephesians chapter 5 in our Bible is a very well-known passage of Scripture, and we've been talking about a lot of things. But I want to set the, I want to set the stage for a minute tonight in verse number 18, which our, con, our text does not start in 18. It starts in 22, um, but really verse number 15, uh, where the Bible says, See that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise. By the way, the, the command to walk in wisdom is a biblical command. There's a biblical command to spiritual maturity. There's a biblical command against foolish living. See that you walk circumspectly, not as foolish people walk in disobedience to God, but as wise people walk in obedience to him, redeeming the time because the days are evil. Pastor, why do you always talk about video games and social media? Because it's often the biggest waste of time in human history. Better to read a sports magazine than to be online and figure out what some fake influencer is telling you and to make you feel insecure with your life. Just saying, redeeming the time. We got better things to do than that. Redeem the time. Why? Because the days are evil. And the days are evil. You could take a lot of ways, but really in this text, it means just time is short. We don't have a lot of time left. Invest your life for what matters most. We're going to Cambodia on Sunday night, and it's a logistics trip and a mission trip, and then we'll come back and we'll take a mission trip in the next year or two uh, to Cambodia and Colombia both, and some will get to go to one, some will get to go to the other, some might go to both. Praise the Lord for that. You're redeeming the time. You witness to people. You're redeeming the time. You spend time in prayer for the service on Sunday. You're redeeming the time. Going on a date with your spouse, you're redeeming the time. Loving on your kids, you're redeeming the time. Uh, turning off the TV and reading a good book, you're redeeming the time. Um, Writing a note to your spouse about how much you love them, uh, you're redeeming the time. Why? Because the time is short. The time is short. Verse number 17, wherefore be not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. Work to understand what the will of the Lord is. And be not drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. And then you see a semicolon there, and, and we, it helps us to understand something here, that Paul is now going to list some things that are marks of a spirit-filled person. And by spirit-filled, we mean somebody who is genuinely walking with God. And I just want to point these out, because I really do think it helps establish the context of Ephesians chapter 5, verse number 22. Because remember, every text has a context. Every, every context has a chapter. Every chapter has a book. Every book has a genre. Every bo- genre has a testament. And the testament has the whole Bible. And so the context here, verse number 19, speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual psalms, si- songs, singing with grace in your heart. Oh, let me read this verse correctly. And I'm quoting Colossians 3.16. I apologize. Speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual psalms, songs, singing and making melody in your hearts to the Lord, giving thanks always for all things unto God and the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. A spirit-filled person has a singing spirit. 
A spirit-filled person has a singing spirit. A a spirit-filled person just walks around singing. Sometimes where people can hear them and sometimes where people can't. But they have a a singing. Would you turn that heater off? Dogs in the neighborhood are going crazy because of the whistle. Singing is a picture of joy and happiness. The worldly person often seeks joy through drinking and partying. But the singing, the spirit-filled person is, is excited to hear about the things of God, excited to sing about the things of God. They're, they're thankful for the work that God is doing. And, and, the, and the verse says, sing to yourselves in psalms, which are the psalms of the Old Testament. And yes, we learn them by memory. And yes, we sing them. Shout to the Lord. Bernie could give us a list of the ones that we sing that song. Psalm 20 verse 7 just uh, comes to my mind. Um, We sing about patience from the book of Psalms. We sing about sowing in tears and reaping in joy out of the book of Psalms. There's a lot of things that we sing out of the Psalms. A a spirit-filled person just has a spirit of singing, and they're singing psalms, and they're singing hymns, some of the great hymns of the church. By the way, if I could say this, just because it's new doesn't mean it's not a hymn. Some people are like... Pastor, we don't sing hymns. No, we do. They might be modern hymns, meaning written in the last 25 or 30 years. And, and we like to sing ancient hymns. We sang A Mighty Fortress is Our God on Sunday. Brother Bernie loves that uh, song, and, and it's a good one. And uh, we sang Rock of Ages, Clef for Me. Wasn't, we do that on Sunday. And uh, I love those songs. Those are great hymns of the faith. They, they help us. They encourage us. And then he says spiritual songs. Spiritual songs are kind of like testimony songs. It's what some of you grew up if you had a redback hymnal in your church. Like page 131 is He Loves Me. 214 is Amazing Grace. 376 is Just As I Am. It's like I grew up with one of those too. And, uh, um, but they're, they're, they're testimonial. And here's what, the, what Paul is teaching the church. A spirit-filled person just has a desire to sing. A spirit-filled person is, is constantly a hummer. I was, I was driving down the road today, and Debbie and I were going to the gym together in separate cars because she had to go back home and I had to come to the office. And it was a 7.30 workout. And we're driving down Balboa, and she, I don't know if she knows I'm by her or not, but whatever, she didn't care. And she's in her car, and she is just at the top of her lungs singing. I mean, no, you, you drive by Debbie when she's all by herself, and she is singing out the car and like people around her you know she's got a beautiful voice and cars were just trying to follow as close as they could and and then she finally saw me after I don't know following her for a few minutes or a few seconds I should say and she just looked at me and didn't care and kept on singing kind of like that. That's kind of how it should be. I'll catch her in the house singing. I I love uh, that about her. A spirit-filled person has a singing spirit. Notice what he says in verse number 20, um, giving thanks always for all things unto God and the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. A spirit-filled person always has a thankful spirit. You say, why do you say always? Because that's what the verse said. Verse number 20, giving thanks always always for all things unto God and the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. If we believe, which we do as Christians, believe in the 
sovereignty of God, then we know that God allows things into our life, regardless of the measure of the difficulty he either causes or he allows them. And Paul says, we're to always give thanks. It it doesn't mean that what came into our life is always easy, but we're thankful that God is allowing us to go through it and providing us the grace to be able to endure the trial or the joy. And sometimes we need, to, we need to be reminded as we work our way to the idea of marriage, we need to be reminded of this fact that it takes grace to go through good times just like it takes grace to go through bad times. We don't want to accept that, but we need the grace of God in every area of our life. If your marriage is doing well right now, you need the grace to enjoy it. Why? Because it will pass. Why? Because you're married to a sinner who's married to a sinner. We're giving thanks always if our life is in God's hands. Philippians chapter four, verse number six, the Bible says, be careful for nothing, worry about nothing, be anxious about nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. The Bible says in Colossians 3, 17, and whatsoever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, giving thanks to God and the Father By him, a spirit-filled person always has a thankful spirit. And then verse number 21, where the scripture says, submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. A spirit-filled person has a submissive and respectful spirit. A spirit-filled person has a submissive and respectful spirit. On the job, in the church, in the community, Uh, has a submissive and respectful spirit, submitting yourselves one to another. Before we get into the structure of the home, in verse 22, the Apostle Paul is dealing with a much broader concept. There is no ghetto spirit in the Christian life. There is no, nobody's telling me anything I'm I'm submitting, I'm about to define submitting in verse 22. I won't take the time to do it now. But I do want to say this. Uh, A a spirit-filled person doesn't have a spirit of criticism. They don't have a spirit of criticism. Some people, no matter what you do, you can't make them happy. I used to worry about them. Now I just kind of write them off. You should too. It's a boundary that I don't give and neither should you. They're just critical no matter what you do. Critical people can't be pleased because it's, it's not something that they want to see improved. It's that they just want to feel better about themselves so they have to make everyone else look badly. That's why in our house... We don't talk bad about restaurants that serve bad food, except to maybe mention it and that we won't go back there, but we're not going to dog them. We're not going to exercise a spirit of criticism. Because how many of you have figured out, if you're like me, you don't need help having a critical spirit? I don't need to like warm up to get critical. I'm critical like... It was raining today. I'm like, why is it raining? Then it quit raining. I'm like, why is it windy? And it quit being windy. Why is it cold? And then I'm going to be in Cambodia next week. It's going to be 94 degrees, 95% humidity. I'm like, why does Bernie stink? I mean, no matter. 
why, why is it hot? It's easy for me to be dissatisfied and, and critical. The Bible teaches us in Romans chapter 12, verse number three, for I say through the grace given unto me to every man that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think. What a great marriage verse, but to think soberly according as God hath dealt to every man the measure of faith. People can be critical of church. Music too loud, music too soft, pastor preached too short, pastor preached too long. We had a guy one time that was critical if I preached too short, he was critical if I preached too long, and he was never happy and he never said I preached just the right amount of time. A critical person is not a spirit-filled person. They're a self-willed person. Let me just say this. In your home, we're talking to ladies tonight. If you're critical of your husband, you're sowing seeds of criticism to your children that will live generations. Oh, your dad's an idiot. Why did he do it? Now, truth be told, he might not have made a wise decision. It might have been foolish for him to make the decision that he made. We understand that. We get that. But your spirit of criticism where a dude can't, can't ever dig out from your spirit of perfectionism, which isn't a spirit of perfectionism, perfectionism it's an acknowledgement of your gross insecurity. And that spirit of criticism is self proclaiming, I'm not walking with Jesus. Because spirit-filled people aren't critical people. Godly Christians aren't critical people. Critical people don't cause dissension or envy. They're not divisive. They're not selfish. The Apostle Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse, or 16, verse number 15, I beseech you, brethren, you know the house of Stephanus, that it is the first fruits of Achaia or Corinth and that they have addicted themselves to the ministry of the saints that ye submit yourselves unto such and everyone that helpeth us and laboreth. Paul says to them, hey, this house of Stephanus, these people who were some of the first people saved, if not the first people saved in Corinth, they've literally, leave that up for a second, please. They've literally addicted themselves to the service of, of the people. This is what Paul is saying in verse number 16. On our mission team, they've, 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 they've helped. They're helping the cause of Christ. They're helping the preachers. They're helping the people. They're helping the word of God go forth. And, and this is what we want to tell you, verse number 16. Submit yourselves unto people like that and to everyone that helpeth with us and laboreth. What is Paul saying? Don't be selfish with your time. Don't be selfish with your energy. Don't be selfish with the resources that God's given you. And we think of resources as money. That's not what Paul is saying. He's not talking simply about money. He's talking about your efforts, your energy, and your service. Don't be selfish in any of those ways. Why? Well, a, a spirit-filled person has a, a spirit an attitude of submission. 
Hebrews chapter 13, verse number 17 says, Obey them that have the rule over you and submit yourselves. Talking about within the local church, for they watch for your souls, and that they must, as they that must give an account, that they may do it with joy and not with grief, for that is unprofitable unto you. Every pastor of every Bible preaching church will stand before the Lord and will give an account or a record of every person within the church and their attitude, actions within the church. And Paul says, Listen, just obey them. Submit yourselves that watch for your souls because they have to give an account. I always worry about people who run from me. I don't mean like if I'm on a ride along with cops. I worry about myself then. But I worry about people in the church that try to hide from the pastor. Try to hide from spiritual leaders. Why? Leave that verse up for a second. Because we're just watching for souls. And we have to give an account. And we want to do that with joy. I'm a big believer. The term that we use in the local church is called pastoral authority. And it means within the local church, it doesn't mean control. Some people, whenever I say this, they go, well, I know a guy who was abusive. Okay, I do too. All right? I know I could probably mention more than you could. But simply because one guy abused God-given authority doesn't mean that God-given authority is wrong any more than it would mean it in, in a different scenario. And so there needs to be a spirit of submission. And, and let's be honest, as we work our way into the ladies, and we'll have plenty of time to finish. As we work our way into the ladies, we have to be honest with this. We live in a culture that despises submission. Some cultures hate it more than others. There's a rugged individualism in Americans, and, and it, gets, it, it, it grows the further west in our country that you get. People on the East Coast, they like want the government to hold their, hands. You, their hand. You get out here, we just want to be left alone. Like, like, just leave me alone. We helped write the 80s love song. Leave me alone. Just want to be left alone. But sometimes that crosses over even into the local church. Just leave me alone. Jesus, leave me alone. Church, leave me alone. Everybody, just leave me alone. Let me do my own thing. I'll be fine. But the local church is not an institution that should ever promote isolation. It should rather promote community. And within community, there is always a measure of leadership in any group of people. That's why the military has a ranking system. Those of you that work in the military, that, that's your career, go to work tomorrow and, and just say, yo, what up to the admiral when he walks in. Throw him a Jolly Rancher as he walks through your office door. Throw the Jolly Rancher at him when he walks through your door. It, won't, it probably might not end well for you. He says, hey, I want you to work tonight. Nick, yeah, you know what? I got better things to do. Probably not going to end really well. Those of you that work in corporate America do the same thing. Your boss walks through the room and says, hey, I need this report my next Tuesday. You're like, you know what? I'm thinking like, no. It's not going to end well. Why? Because there's authority 
And we think that within God's institution, sometimes we don't have to be submissive and authoritative and have authority. And so even within the local church, people are like, well, I don't think that the pastor's position is any different. And truth be told, ontologically, let me define ontologically, person to person or our standing as individuals before God, absolutely right. There's no difference between any of them. Paul says there's no difference between Jew or Greek, barbarian and Scythian, wise and unwise. We, we, in our standing before God, we are all the same. Make no mistake about that. But within the structure of the organization of the local church, we're about to talk about the home in the same way, there is a rank and order, and God requires a spirit of submission. And that's why he says, submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. Well, why do we submit? Because if you don't, bro, you're answering to Jesus for that. You want to stand before Jesus as a rebellious jerk? You have the option But don't think Jesus is going to just let that one slide. Why? Because over and over again, he says we are to be submissive. And a spirit-filled person has a submissive and a respectful spirit. Well, then Paul, writing this church that he loves so much, gives instruction for marriage. And he says in verse 22... Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as unto the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, and he is the Savior of the body. Therefore, as the church is subject unto Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. Now, we've looked at the why of marriage. Why marriage? Remember, the why is more important than the what or the how. You really can't answer the what and how without the why. Number one, not only is marriage a picture of Christ, uh, uh, marriage rather, is a picture of Christ's undying love for the church. It's a, mixture, it's a picture of Christ's desire for our best. And it's a picture of Christ's willingness to leave the Father. This evening, the final point in this series, and there'll be subpoints. But marriage is a picture, ladies, of Christ's submission to the Father. Marriage is a picture of Jesus' submission to God. The word submission here means to place in order or to place under in an orderly fashion. In relation to the husband, uh, to the wife, to her husband. And we read about this in our, in our text, verse, chapter 5, verse number 22. We read about it in Colossians. Turn there with me real quick. We're going to do a quick Bible study. Colossians chapter 3. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get there and read fast. Colossians chapter 3, verse number 18. Where the Bible says, Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as it is fit in the Lord. Titus chapter 2. First and Second Timothy, then Titus. Titus chapter 2, verse number 5, where the Bible says, talking to women and wives of leaders in the church, to be discreet, chaste, keepers at home, good, obedient to their own husbands, that the word of God be not blasphemed. Well, what does he mean by that? Turn to Titus 2, 5. I want you to see it. That the word of obedient to their own husbands, that the word of God be not blasphemed. If, if you're not obedient to your own husbands, it's a reproach literally to the scripture. It's a, it, it blasphemes Jesus. Well, it can't. Well, that was, <laughs> is Paul wrong when he wrote it? Of course not. 
This is, this is the, the magnitude of what submission means. To be obedient to your own husbands that the word of God, verse number five, be not mocked, ridiculed, made fun of. I was a youth pastor. That was my only job for a while in the church. For eight years, I was a youth pastor. And I would preach against smoking weed because it's bad and wrong. I'll say that again. Just in case you're wondering where we stand on legalized pot, it was bad and wrong. There's several reasons for that. By the way, the growth of fentanyl, the growth of meth. Meth is 10 times more powerful and 10 times less expensive than it was 10 years ago. We have cities that are, that are, that are being ravaged. You should actually look at the Kensington neighborhood in Philadelphia where they're always experimenting. It's the world's called the world's largest open-air heroin market. And uh, they have been, and I, I forget how to pronounce the word, but they have been mixing fentanyl and heroin with a horse tranquilizer, and they're literally calling it the zombie effect, and people are walking around like zombies. It's the craziest thing you've ever seen. We, we uh, help, and we're going to help some more, and i got to call them, but Pastor Burton Gates, who has two churches in that area, four blocks apart from each other, there's 120,000 people between the two churches, and they literally, my wife and I went there, uh, I've been there several times, they are literally uh, dealing with people that are zombies. Well, ever since marijuana was legalized, those types of drugs have exploded. So I was preaching hard and clear and scientifically about THC and marijuana and all that. And uh, after the service, we had some kids, I had some kids come and, and, and they were products of the culture. They really weren't being rebellious. They were asking questions and they said, uh, Pastor Chris, you think that it's wrong for us to, to smoke weed, right? Do you think it's wrong for us to drink alcohol? Absolutely. Do you think gluttony is wrong? Absolutely. Then why did so-and-so guy who weighs 410 pounds preach on Sunday? And I, I, I was a youth pastor. I said, you have to ask the pastor that. They're like, what? Not my role. I didn't invite him to preach. Well, would you have him preach? Let me ask you, ever have a 400-pound man preach at Canyon Ridge? The answer, that's no. Why? That a, the word of God be not blasphemed. Your lack of submission does the same thing. It blasphemes. That the word of God be not blasphemed. Continue looking, if you would, with me in First Peter chapter three, verse number one. First Peter chapter three, verse number one. Likewise, you wives, be in subjection to your own husbands, that if any husband obey not the word or is not a Christian, they may without the word be won by the conversation or the lifestyle of the wife. Now, make no mistake, again, we are ontologically equal before God, men and women. But there does remain physical and positional and functional differences. And I know in a culture in which we live in a woke community, some people are like, do you really feel comfortable saying there are physical differences between a man and a woman? Yes. I have no problem saying that. And ain't no chick looking like me. And if you want to look like me, you are jacked up. <laughs> I'm serious here. We have a mental health weekender coming up April 29th. Please come. 
we want to help you. And I don't mean that, sh- that, that, like that to be funny. No, you, 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 want to, you, you want to look like us? No. There are differences. There's not differences in our standing before God. We are the same. But the rank and order stuff, that's different. That's unique. And, and, and marriage is a picture of Christ's submission to the Father. The why of marriage is to picture the realities of Christ to a lost and dying world. Make no mistake, Jesus was submissive to the Father. John the Gospel of John, chapter 4, verse number 34. Uh, turn there real quick. I want you to do a Bible study with me through the book of John. And sometimes we put the verses on the screen, but I want you to know how to turn in your Bible and know where stuff is. So if you're like, did John? No, John put the notes in there. I told him to take them out. And because he's submissive, he did. He really did. I'm not kidding. We do that more on Sunday morning. I want us to know how to use our Bibles. It's a sword. You had to write things in your Bible. I wrote the other day when I was reading in Judges, like, why did this happen? Right next to where I wrote it just about every time. Why didn't this? I read it. John chapter 4, verse number 34. Jesus saith unto them, My meat is to do the will of him that sent me to, and to finish his work. Look at John chapter 5, verse number 30. I can of my own self do nothing. As I hear, I judge, and my judgment is just because I seek not mine own will, but the will of the Father which hath sent me. Look down at verse number 36. But I have, a gr- I have greater witness than that of John, for the works which the Father hath given me to finish, the same works that I do bear witness of me, that the Father hath sent me. Look over at John chapter 9, verse number 4. John chapter 9, verse number 4. I must work the work of him that sent me while it is day. The night cometh when no man can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. Look over at John chapter 17, verse number 4. I have glorified thee on earth. I have finished the work which thou gavest me to do. Look over at the book of Luke, or back at the book of Luke, I should say, chapter 22, Luke chapter 22. And I wanted you to see this one last. Normally we go in chronological or in uh, order of scripture, but I want you to see Luke 22, verse 39. Jesus is in the garden of Gethsemane, and he came out before he goes to the cross, and he came out and went as he was wont to the Mount of Olives, and his disciples also followed him. And when he was at the place, he said to them, pray that ye enter not into temptation. By the way, that's a great prayer to pray for you. Pastor, I'm really struggling with, pray that you enter not into temptation. I pray that all, the temptation here was to deny Christ. The temptation here was to give up on Jesus. Pray that you enter not into temptation, verse 41. And he was withdrawn from them about a stone's cast and kneeled down and prayed, saying, 
Father, if thou be willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. There appeared an angel unto him from heaven and strengthening him. And being in an agony, he prayed more earnestly. And his sweat was at uh, was as it were great drops of blood falling down to the ground. And when he rose up from prayer and was come to his disciples, he found them sleeping for sorrow. I want you to notice that he prayed, Father, let this cup pass from me. I don't want to endure this. I don't want to have all the sin of the world placed on me. I don't want to be separated from you, whatever the case is. And it's a, it's a point of great theological debate and discussion. I don't want to draw into that or be drawn into that at all. I want us to notice that Jesus' final statement for really the one thing that God told him to do that he really didn't want to do, and he says, not my will, but yours be done. What a spirit of submission. What an example to every one of us tonight. Lord, that's what you want? Fine. I'll do it. I'll be surrendered to you. I'm going to be a spirit-filled wife. I'm going, to, I'm going to live with a spirit of submission to you. Back to our text in Ephesians 5. I want to give you three reasons for a wife to live in submission. Or three helps. Three reasons. To submit to your husband, and, and let me give the caveat, we're not talking about abuse. I always have that question, well, what if my husband wants to beat me up? Do I let him? No, in no way are we talking about abuse. And, and we've had these questions, what if my husband wants me to do something immoral with a friend? Absolutely not. It's better to obey God than man. We take the strongest stand against it. And dude, if that's you, just understand if I find out, I, I, I promise you, the day will not end well for you. Why? Because I'm just, I'm just a grown man going to follow Jesus. I'm going to take a strong stand against that stuff. I'm not saying I'm going to hurt you or anything, but we might race. You be in front and I'll be behind you. I mean, we're not, we're not talking about... We're, here's where it's hard to submit to your husband. When you just get tired of him. That's what Debbie says. Never had a husband. When you don't always agree with his decisions. When he has irritating personality quirks. Let me translate. He can be a jerk. And it can be difficult. It can be challenging. It can be frustrating. And sometimes ladies go, well, I think my way is better. And can I be honest with you, ladies? Sometimes yours, your way might be better. And, and by the way, that's why I preached two messages to men and one message to ladies. Let's not make a mistake about that. I, I have a high standard for how men should live at Canyon Ridge. I, I believe that. I can't force that, but we try to set the standard pretty high personally and, and corporately. Our leadership team is some really amazing husbands, except for Bernie. I'm teasing 100%. Our leadership team, some amazing husbands. Charlie and Gloria have been married 28 years. Bernie and Leslie have been married 15, 14, 12. 
Can we get 11? 11? No, 12, 12 years. Uh, Zane and Callie are doing, you know, they've been married three weeks. And so uh, they've enjoyed them. But marriage can be challenging and frustrating. So when do I need to submit when, when the need is? And by the way, men, if you have to call out the submission card on a regular basis, we should talk. It, it just, there, there ought to be a pattern of love and devotion and affection one for the other. And it ought to be a mutual thing. Sometimes it has to be called out. Especially when we're leading biblically, it has to be called out. But there's, there's three reasons. I've got to hurry. I've got 15 minutes and I'm done. Um, three reasons for a wife to live in submission. Number one, it's to submit to God's will. Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as unto the Lord. It's a commandment of God. It's God's command. It's not Pastor Chadwick's command. I, I was talking to somebody recently, and, I, and I, I was just laughing because truth be told, most men that I know of don't want to be in leadership, and most women in the home, and most women that I know want to be in leadership. Matter of fact, it's the whole Genesis chapter 4 controversy uh, when, when Cain killed Abel, and, uh, or before Cain killed Abel during the fall, the judgment of the fall, where one of the judgments on Eve's life is your desire will be towards him. People are thinking like, oh, she'll want to follow her husband. No, she wants his position. Before the fall, she loved her place. After the fall, she wants his position. Ladies, you need to understand that when, when you want that place, that, that's the product of Eve's sin. And God desires and commands that you would obey, obey, submit, you can use whatever word you want to. We, we define it means rank and order. Your husband as unto the Lord. There's no equivocation. There's no argument. God's not saying, wives, submit yourselves to your own husbands as, as long as he's not a moron. That's why we tell young ladies, don't marry a moron. Because he's probably going to be a moron for life. If you're like, I can't stand the way that he dresses. He's not going to get any better over time. Matter of fact, it's going to get worse. Some of the men in our church, they haven't bought a new shirt in 10 years. And, and they, they got more grease on it than the oil change place, you know, Jiffy Lube or whatever. And when you mention it, they're like, what is there a problem with this? And I always tell them like, no, bro, keep wearing that. Matter of fact, wear it on every date with your wife. Yeah, that will be great. You're like, Pastor, you don't. Oh, I do. Yeah, I do. Why? You married him. The character's probably not going to change that much. Now, we're being, or I'm trying to be funny a little bit because I know this is a weighty topic. But the reality is that we're to be submissive to our, to, you're to be submissive to your husbands as unto the Lord. 
just as Jesus submitted to the Father, you're submitting to the Lord, just like you would submit if Jesus told you to do something, as long as it's not a sin, as long as it's not immoral, as long as it's not grossly unsafe, then you submit to that. And the spirit with which you do it is like, okay, Lord, I don't understand this, but I'm doing what you're telling me to do in your word. What kind of spirit is the Christian wife to have as she obeys God? A spirit of slavery or love? I'm stuck. If God would let me get out of this. I've heard moms tell their kids, I'm only sticking with him because of you. Way to ruin your kid's marriage. Love's having a bad day. Way to ruin your kid's marriage. Way to set your kids up. And I hope you feel bad. I don't want you to feel bad because of what I'm saying. I want you to feel bad because of what it's done to your kids. What you've said is, I don't care what God says. I'm going to have my own feelings. I'm going to have my own thoughts. Was your Christian wife to have a spirit of hostility or love? I can't stand him. Oh! A spirit of resentment or love? A spirit of reaction or love? A spirit of ambivalence or love? A spirit of distance or love? If you submit unto the Lord, as unto the Lord, you're going to be submitting from a paradigm of love and obedience for what Jesus Christ has done for you. And I, let me stop and say this. Some of you might need to get your kids together around the table tonight, ladies, and go, hey, I was a jerk to your dad and about your dad, and I just want you to know, I'm really sorry I was wrong. I said the same thing to the men on Sunday, and some of you ladies are like, oh, yeah, he needs to apologize. You have a crappy attitude towards your husband. You need to make it right with your kids. And some of you are newly married or you're young married and you're in a habit of yelling and arguing and screaming and and fighting for your way. You, You think that pleases Jesus? Did my husband tell you to say that? No, and if he did, I probably wouldn't have. But we're submitted to God. Notice verse number 23. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, and he is the savior of the body. We submit because it's God's order for the family. The word head there refers to authority, not being. He's not better than you, but God has placed the husband in a position of authority. No one is superior, but everyone is in a diff or just has a different rank. The Bible says in Ephesians chapter 5, verse number 2, in, our, in the same passage we're looking at, walk in love as Christ also hath loved us and given himself for us as an offering and sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling savor. When you submit to your husband, it's, I would submit to you that it is a sweet-smelling savor to the Lord. In fact, no organization can succeed without a spirit of cooperation, without a spirit of 
of submissiveness and partnership and rank and order. And submission is God's order for the family. And, and ladies, this is what I hear so, so often. Well, pastor, if, if I don't take the lead, then nothing will get done. I don't know that that's true because you've never not tried to take the lead. Well, what if nothing gets done? Then nothing gets done. Well, he said he would do it and he didn't do it. Yeah. Chances are, if you got pre-marriage counseling beforehand, you were probably told that. Bernie and Leslie, we did pre-marriage counseling together. Normally we do like six sessions. We did 32 for them. And a few Friday nights where they just showed up at our house and we just talked till midnight because things weren't going well and, um, and before they got married. But when they got married, um, they pretty much knew how each other was. There's a few times I said to Leslie, now you know how he is. And she's like, I, I do. You still want to marry him? She goes, I, I do. I, I really believe it's God's will. You should fast and pray. I said that, like, are you sure? And Bern, same thing. Are you sure? Are you sure? Why? Because everybody's weird. If you're married right now, you married a knucklehead. How many of you here are like, oh, I didn't know she'd be like that. I didn't know he'd be like that. Are you serious? I can't believe they, no, they thought that way their own life. You just didn't know the questions to ask or you were love struck and you didn't realize how much of a knucklehead you married. I feel for Debbie. We were young <laughs> and we didn't have marriage counseling. And so if anybody has an excuse, it's her, but she's stuck now. It's God's order for the family. If you get out of God's order, you get out of God's blessing. If you get out of God's order, you get out of God's blessing. Well, I want my wife to be like my grandma. Well, I, I'm not trying to be funny here, but other than being creepy, she's not going to be your grandma because she's not your grandma. I want my wife to be like her mom. That's good. And moms have influence on their kids, and, and, and it's a tremendous amount for sure. But understand that that kid, that, teen, that young woman, or that young man, is still a free moral agent with a free will to live how they want to live. I love my mother-in-law. I'm thankful my wife's not like her. Debbie loves my dad. She's really thankful I'm not like my dad. At least that's what she told me once. This is God's rank and order. 
See, it's it's easy on Sunday morning. You guys are like all excited. Yeah, give it to the men. Yes. And the men were even like, give it to us, Pastor. We want to be better. Yeah. And then we talk about the lady. Whoa, what do you think you're doing talking to me about that? Does that not reveal a little spirit issue? Does that not reveal something in the heart? I don't mind hearing it about everybody else, but whoa, whoa, whoa. You, you don't bring that in, up in here. Like minute bowl and a weak layup. You don't mind swatting that one away. This is, this is God's order. This is God's plan. And it's to submit to God's will. And there's sometimes when you just have to go, okay, Lord, I don't get it. Fine. I'm just going to follow with a good spirit. Because submission is not acquiescence. I grew up pretty physical, playing sports, doing stuff like that. My wife grew up, and the idea of walking across the street to get a soda was a physical challenge for her. Like my in-laws, my father-in-law, they would work hard. Don't get me wrong, they'd work hard. But why would you ever sweat? Anybody like that in here? Like, don't raise your hand. I, don't, I, I probably couldn't keep quiet. Uh, but there's actually people who are like, I just don't want to sweat. Like I, just, I talked to somebody the other day. They are like, I would work out, but for the sweating? Well, I didn't like that. It's like the most fun thing of the whole idea. And so if you're around and you're like that, and I know it, I just, I, there's just something in me that gives you a hug if I'm sweaty. So please don't tell me. Um, but my wife, when we first started really, we started doing CrossFit and working out a while ago, uh, a decade ago, I guess it was, she was not really submitted to the idea. She was resistantly compliant. Like, I'll go. I'll go if I have to. I'm like, you have to. I'll go if you make me. I'm making you. Why am I going? Because the girls want to go. Okay, all right. And now she is less resistantly compliant. It's, it's not resistant compliance. It's joyful surrender. Or it's surrender to what the Lord has. Number three, verse 23 and 24. Therefore, as the church is subject unto Christ, so let wives be to their own husbands and everything. Husbands, love your wives, and even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. To submit is a spiritual mystery. A wife's submission is comparable to Christ and the church. We don't really get it, meaning it's a mystery. As she submits to Christ, she is also submitting to her husband. As she submits to her husband, she's submitting to Christ. As she depends upon Christ for help and protection, she's depending on her husband for help and protection. As she depends on Christ for companionship and comfort, she's depending on her husband for companionship and comfort. In, in conclusion, the submission that a wives are to show their husband is an example to all believers of Christ submitting to the Father. And as ridiculous or as foolish as it would sound that Jesus would resist the Father's will, it ought to sound the same measure of foolishness to any wife who would resist the rank and order that God has set her in. 
pursuing love is pursuing, pursuing it in the place that God would have us because the place that God has us is the place of the greatest joy. And I know there have been jerks of men here. And you might be a jerk here. I don't know. You'll be like, I'm not growing. I'm not changing. I'm not reading a book. I'm not going to a conference. I'm not doing anything. I'm living my life. I don't care what anybody says. I got it all figured. Okay, you're a jerk. I don't mean to be rude. I'm just calling you what you are. Love is a fool despises wisdom and instruction. Every year I'm reading books on marriage. I have counselors on marriage, people to help me. Why? Because a wise man seeks an increase in learning. So you'd be foolish to reject those things on either side, man or woman. But if you marry a dude that's a jerk, it doesn't mean that you can go about it and, 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 and try to figure out your own way around. No, 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 no. You still have to be submissive to the Father and take that burden to the Lord. And you might have to take that burden to the Lord a hundred times. You might have to take that burden to the Lord a thousand times. You might have to get some counsel from some godly ladies who can teach you what to do. And you might have to be humble enough to listen to what they say. Not might. You would need to be humble enough to listen to what they say and implement what they say. That's why Paul tells Timothy in the epistles to teach the older women, uh, to instruct the older women, to teach the younger women how to love their husbands because nagging him into submission or nagging him into doing what you want him to do is never going to work in the long run well I'll just give up then well that's ungodly well, I'll just Find some other thing. I'll find a friend. I'll find a neighbor. I'll invest my life in my kids. I'll, uh, he lives his life. I live my life. He sleeps in his room. I sleep in my room. Are you, are you teenagers? You trying to make out when the kids are away and finish before they get home? See, marriage is a picture. And the reason we want marriage to be right is because it's a picture of Christ's undying love for a lost and dying world. It's a picture of what Jesus desires as our best. Well, I'm stuck in this marriage. I think the reason some Christians never lead anyone at their workplace to Christ is because the people see what they have. I mean, I've literally heard people, I've heard people, because I meet a lot of people, and I meet people in the community, and I used to tell people, like, oh, you know, oh, yeah, well, we have a guy in our church that does that. Oh, really? What's his name? So-and-so. He goes to your church? Yeah, we'd love to have you come. I wouldn't want anything. That guy, he's the biggest jerk in the world. His family candy, I've had literally, I've had people say about people that attended Canyon Ridge, his own family can't even stand him. Her own family can't even stand her. What kind of picture are you? Well, but, but, but if they... See, here's the cool thing about marriage. It's not about them, it's about you. And Christ desires your best. It, it's a picture of Christ's willingness to leave the Father. I feel like I need to say this. Some of you are still living in the past of your parents. 
your parents' marriage, your childhood, what they had, what you didn't have. And you're like, oh, I had this or I didn't have this or I wanted this or I didn't want this or, or, or whatever. And, and, and you're, you're holding on. There comes a point where you leave mother and father. Well, when is that point? The moment you say, I do. And it's a willful choice. Well, Pastor, I, I struggle sometimes with that. I get it. My wife really loves her dad. I have to remind her repeatedly. Admit I do it in a gracious, kind, sarcastic way. I don't always do it well. I'm not your dad. And I don't want to be your dad. I love him, but I don't want to be that dude. He cries over everything. Like, hey, Dad, we have macaroni and cheese for dinner. Sorry, it's all we have. Would you pray for it? And he's like, Lord. I'm like, just get it over with already. It's macaroni and cheese. It's craft. It's nasty. It's not even edible. We're eating it, though. Would you hurry it up? And he just starts weeping there. He said, I'd love to have a father-in-law that wept over macaroni and cheese. I'll trade. I love him dead, but that's just the kind of dude. He's got a super tender heart. And then my dad has a tender heart, but my mom's a drill instructor. And so my mom's like, we're going to pray over the macaroni and cheese. This is stupid. going to kill the troops. There you go. You know, take your slop, kid. Well, why don't you make it? It's... One of the hardest things in the world for some people to follow someone and not be sure about where they're going. Again, I go back to your dating. Ladies, that's why you need to make absolutely certain that this dude walks with Jesus. Don't marry a spiritual question mark. Well, he might be good, and he might not be. And let me stop and say this to the young men. Young men, I'll be candid here. The reason some young Christian men get married is because they'd rather get married than burn, or we could say it this way, for those of you that didn't grow up in church and haven't read 1 Corinthians 7.1, you're just really horny. I'm not trying to be crass, I'm just being clear. And you're like, I just, I just need to get married. That's one of the dumbest decisions of your entire life. Because when you say I do, you do for life. And you need to know that you're on the same team. You're going the same direction. You're trying to accomplish the same purpose. And you're doing it with the person that you enjoy. You're doing it with a person you love. And there's going to come times in your life when you don't love one another. Things are going to get in the way. Good grief, things are going to get in the way. Debbie will tell you about things on Saturday. We'll do some talking together. She'll probably tell you about things that get in the way, but I'll tell you things that get in the way. Things that get in the way like, like kids and pets and in-laws and house payments and church planting and mission trips and clothes and the Amazon delivery guy and... 
I mean, just stuff. There's no telling what it is. It just gets in the way. And before long, if you don't work diligently at your marriage, there's now where Debbie's at and where I'm at and we're this far apart. And then you start going, well, she's way over there and I'm way over here. Well, maybe God just, and I've had people say, maybe God just wants me to start looking for somebody else. No, here, brother, why don't you get rid of the garbage between you, kick the kids out, stop ordering Amazon, eat food that you cook. I don't know what you have to do. Never go to your in-laws again, whatever the case may be, and reconnect with your spouse. And ladies, submit to your husband. It's a picture of Christ's submission to the Father. Why would you submit to him? Well, because Jesus submitted to God. Really? Imagine if that's your testimony with your kids. Then you'll be Debbie. You'll be my mom. Dad is the biggest knucklehead. Why do you submit to him on this issue? Well, because Jesus submitted to the Father. What's their response to that? No, he didn't. But if that's the why, do you get where I'm going here? When we get the why right, everything else is right. And I know everybody wants 42 th- ways to submit to your husband. Not 42 ways. There's one reason. What's the why? Jesus submitted to the Father. It's a surrender to the Lord's will. And the other stuff that I said that I can't remember off the top of my head. And, and it helps us to grow into Christ-likeness. I love you. I'm pumped about the marriage weekend. Thank you for listening. Find more messages every week at CanyonRidgeBaptist.com. If you're in the San Diego area, join us for a service. We meet at 8.30 a.m., 10.30 a.m., and 5 p.m.